Today on the show, we're talking about emergency funds. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm joined with Trevor this week. Mike's not with us, but he'll be back with us next week. And today we're talking about emergency funds and why they're important. So Trevor, why do you think emergency funds are this critical thing that we talk about all the time? And and are they really as important as, as we say they are? Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm not having an emergency, not having an emergency fund can derail the best laid financial plans and, and demotivate you beyond comprehension. So emergency funds are so critical, and, and the hopes is you'll never need one, but they are, they could be your demise financially if you don't have one. So this week we're covering an article from everydollar.com called The Emergency Fund, Why You Need One and How to Get One. And it's, it's a really great article. There's a lot of great points within it. So we're, we are going to go through it and just really talk about the nuances of an emergency fund. So, I mean, the article leads off by talking about kind of the emergencies we encounter. So Trevor, just, just to lead off that conversation, what are some emergencies that you've encountered that you consider an actual emergency? Because I think there can kind of be a little bit of, a little bit of confusion maybe around what actually constitutes an emergency. Well, one good way to, to identify what qualifies as an emergency is if you have a documented budget and you've separated your expenses from, you know, mandatory expenses like utilities and mortgage payments and discretionary expenses like dining out and entertainment. So if you, if you have that, that distinction in your spending, then the discretionary income, none, nothing in that, those categories qualifies as an emergency ever. So, so that's number one. So it's, it's keeping the lights on and food on the table. Those are your emergencies. Uh, and you could split hairs. Another way to look at an emergency fund is if if it's an unforeseen event, something that you, you could not have anticipated, then that qualifies as an emergency. Where you get into the, the weeds of it is a, a car is a great example. Now, anybody who's ever owned a car, these things just wear out. You know, you can say they broke, but they actually just wore out. And... When things wear out, there's some predictability to things wearing out in a car, like tires. That is, when a car needs tires, that is not an emergency. Tires are a predictable, uh, a predictable expense to owning a car, and you should be saving for that, and that should be separate from your emergency fund that you've saved. Do you think, though, in general, that? I mean, it, you laid out a great list of what is and is not an emergency fund, but do you think in, dr- in general society, we sometimes get those mixed up? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking uh, maybe what some of our listeners may be thinking, that there are times when you maybe really want to do something or something really needs to get done, but you maybe you don't have the money for it. So I, I can give an example where, so an emergency could arise when two catastrophic events arrive at the exact same time. So let's just say your car did need tires and your fridge did stop working. Now, we all know fridges don't last forever, but it's a little hard to predict, you know, when that fridge is going to stop working and, and when you're going to need a replacement. You, you might, your fridge might give you some signs that it's it's not there, but typically they don't. So I, I think of a fridge stop working, that would qualify as an emergency fund. You know, you could use your emergency fund to, to finance a new, a new fridge. And if you're if you're, you happen to need tires that exact same week or month, then 
obviously, I'm going to say then you, you could make a case for those tires being an emergency. So it, 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 the circumstances will dictate, but you, you could make a case for it. But I tend to look at even like say a house needs a roof. That should never be an emergency. You can see your roof. You can see when the shingles are starting to curl and you can start working towards saving for a roof. If, if, now, if something hit your roof and knocked off a bunch of shingles, then that, that qualifies as an emergency. So that, you kind of touched on my next question in that should you not be setting money aside into maybe, and maybe they will go on to talk about where you should put your emergency fund, but should you not have money set aside for, for specific repairs? Should you, should that not be a category within your budget, a fridge, roof, like, like things, I, I mean, maybe I am talking to an emergency fund, maybe that is the same thing, but should you not kind of have that emergency fund for when really unforeseen events occur versus you know eventually your fridge will stop working. Yeah, that that's that, that's exactly what I'm describing. So with budgeting, if the first step with budgeting is just tracking your income and expenses. But when you get really dialed in, if you think of a budget, and I'm going to use car maintenance as an example, if you're budgeting $100 a month in, for car maintenance and just say January, you, there's no car maintenance, you know, nothing goes wrong with your car, then you carry that hundred dollars over to February. Now you have two hundred dollars of of money budgeted for repairs. Januarys that you didn't use, plus Februarys. Let's just say nothing goes wrong with your car in February. Then you take that two hundred dollars, one hundred from January, one hundred from February, and you move it into March. Now you have three hundred dollars, and then say finally you have a hundred dollar repair. You keep moving that unspent budgeted amount forward in your budget. You 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 keep it allocated to car maintenance it's just a timing problem the maintenance is going to happen like the, the breakdown you're going to need that money at some point you, you just don't know when so you got to keep moving that money forward in your budget so that's how you sort of accumulate a a reserve i'll call it for the maintenance of your car the same thing with your house you know i, I have a washer and a dryer they're not going to last forever so i budget uh, i don't know i think it's a hundred dollars a month for home maintenance Actually, I think it's $50 a month for home maintenance. And I just keep carrying that amount forward and forward. And eventually, I'll need it. Those things are not... That's separate from my emergency fund. My emergency fund is a, is a money that's set aside for unforeseen, unanticipated. You know, And it t- tends to happen. It's not something that starts to uh, uh, deteriorate slowly like a, I, I, I don't know, your carpet. You know, it starts to wear and wear and wear and you kind of don't notice it. And all of a sudden, there's a hole in your carpet. And, and, and that hole didn't just magically appear one day. It, it evolved slowly and slowly. And then, then you're going to need a new carpet. So these these things that wear out slowly, uh, but you, you see them every day. They don't sort of, you can't see the wear happening day by day until the, it reaches a breaking point. And then that appears as an emergency, but it's really not. I really, really like the distinction you made between all of those things because I think sometimes, again, things can happen. Our, our fridge can stop working. Our washer and dryer can stop working. And we and and we maybe blame it on being an emergency, whereas it was just us being unobservant or not planning properly or not, or not budgeting proper, properly. And I think maybe we have to kind of put more responsibility on ourselves to really create, like you said, that budget amount that carries forward. I mean... Trevor, do you think it's easy for people maybe 
to if we if we go back to the hundred dollars a month for for car repairs that we're kind of putting aside i mean if if there's something else we want to do or something else we want to buy and we look into our budget and see that we have accumulated maybe a thousand dollars for 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 car repairs that we're not using right now i mean it's kind of easy to want to dip into that into that pool of money when when maybe you shouldn't yeah that's the trap i mean when you need extra money and you just see it sitting there you think well well, i'll just use that and it's really i like to call that a reserve a reserve for future expenses but you know the example of the car expense here's where you could use an emerging fund just to say you've you've done what i've described you've built up that reserve in car repairs over the course of six months and now you have six hundred dollars and it turns out your car needs a you know a brake job and it costs you know five hundred and eighty nine dollars and you pay that and the very next month you 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 have a i don't know a an alternator or a starter motor go in your car and it costs another four hundred dollars well you obviously don't have a reserve built up for that four hundred dollars that is a case where i would say yeah use your emergency fund be, be, when these ex, these repairs started stacking up, un, unanticipated repairs start stacking up, that would be a case where you would use your emergency fund for your car repair. I want to move on to talking about kind of the benefits of, of having an emergency fund. I mean, and again, we will get to maybe the biggest listener question of this episode. How can I even possibly start accumulating money for an emergency fund we're going to get to that question but first i kind of want to lead in with the benefits of it so from the everdollar.com article which again will be in our our show notes they kind of list out three three major benefits of having one and i mean again the benefits are probably super obvious but i do want to we do want to talk about them so the first one is the opportunity to pursue big money goals without setback yeah so if if you could imagine your you're working at paying off, you know, a, a student loans or car loans or just credit card debt, and you're you're really making some headway. And all of a sudden, a, a two thousand dollar unanticipated expense shows up, and you don't have any money in reserve to pay for that, and, and so you have to put it on your credit card, two thousand dollars to to fix a furnace. So all that headway you would have made paying down that debt, it just it's so demotivating and deflating to just have to rack up more debt, you know? So it, it kind of just, it, it derails your, your whole goals and, and it's so demotivating. So ha- having that emergency fund and not having to use debt, which you're trying to defeat a- as your tool to solve your problem, it, that to me is key. Because to this point, I think maybe one of the biggest kind of challenges with building that emergency fund is that, if you do have a maybe a bunch of consumer debt on your plate, it looks more appealing to put your any kind of leftover money after paying your mandatory expenses towards paying off maybe your consumer debt as opposed to putting money aside for for something that is not actually happening right now. So it's a little bit less gratifying. Yeah, it, it kind of doesn't make sense when you're doing it on the surface. You've got all this debt that needs to be serviced, but you're just you're taking this chunk of money and throwing it in the bank and doing nothing. But it's actually doing something. And I, I just, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but it really, it, it is the, the, it, the chances of you getting through paying down all your debt or, or, or reaching, striving for some, some sort of financial goal and life not getting in the way is highly unlikely. 
The second point is peace of mind no matter what comes your way. And this is what, you know, if you want to know what, what that money's doing, you, in my mind, when I have an emergency fund, I've bought peace of mind. So I've actually spent that money on something. And that's how I treat it. I've actually taken, you know, $1,000 or $3,000 and I bought peace of mind. I, I bought a good night's sleep. That's what an emergency fund will do for you. It, it'll, it'll just give you this, this feeling of calm, knowing that not everything, but most things would be covered by this emergency fund. Do you think it cause you, causes you to live more maybe recklessly or carelessly because you know you have this, this backup money that you can use? Well, if you see, if you have a whole bunch of debt and you're able to service it, you kind of you kind of go on without missing a beat it's it's when you can't so i'm going to say just say you, you you have all this debt and you're able to service it with your income and you're just going along fine and another expense shows up well we'll just use debt to cover that so a little bit more debt we'll, you can always play with debt you can you can stretch the the amortization period you can you can roll it into your mortgage there's all sorts of tools but if the income goes away you know, you lose your job, then all of that, that whole plan falls apart. So the emergency fund, in my mind, it's its more protecting you from a loss of income than an additional expense. No, no, that makes sense. It, the way the way you, if you're looking at it like that. So to your question about, did you live more carelessly? I, I think I may work a little more, you know, I may work my job not in in such a degree of fear of losing it. You know, that could be a benefit of an emergency fund is if you have a decent funded, a decent amount of money saved up for an emergency such as a job loss, you might work your job uh, f- less from a pure, fierce perspective and more from a, a, you know, growing your career perspective. Because you do know that if something were to happen to that job, you'd be okay. Yeah. The third point, and I really like this point, and it is the freedom to focus on what really matters when tragedy strikes. An example that comes to mind with this point is if, I mean, if something were to happen to, if you were to injure injure your leg or something, that, and but your job involved you to be walking all day at work, I mean, you instead of focusing on your physical and mental and emotional health from this, from this accident and worrying about yourself, you might be turned outward and, and focused on how are you going to possibly make it through if maybe the un- unemployment insurance that you receive from that or the short-term disability insurance is not enough to cover your everyday expenses. Yeah, that's a really good example. That So you could focus on, on re- recuperating, getting your health back in order rather than trying to muscle through at work because you, you can't survive on the unemployment benefit that you're going to you're going to receive which is you know could be around 50 percent of what you you get paid normally so an emergency fund could make up that difference that's a great example you know another another good example would be and this is something i I went through recently is when you have a a pet and this anyone who's had a pet they they could relate you have a pet that 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 is ill and and, you know we so for in canada we have public health care so if you if if you get sick, you're kind of, it's pretty much covered. But if you have a pet and it gets ill, it's it's very expensive. And rather than you know having to debate, you know, can I afford to take care of this this pet and make it comfortable? You, you know, rather than worrying about the money side, you can just focus on on, on the comfort of your pet. And, and I, I went through that recently, and it was very comforting to know that I, you know I had whatever it took to 
to take care of this and and I could just focus on 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 the pet itself so that that that's no, no that's example. a phenomenal example and in a time where you know you may have to take make tough decisions but and it could wear on you yes yeah and, and you don't want money to be part of that right you don't that added layer of what about the financial aspect of it that just is one more thing you don't need at that that traumatic time because when we i mean we did an episode on um the the co- can you put a cost on having kids and i mean a pet is i mean anyone who's had a pet knows how very how near and dear a pet is to your heart so trying to kind of you may have to deal with the emotional side and and but you money's on the table too so when you kind of mix the two it can can become very um conflicting you know here in canada when you go to the doctor's office or the hospital and, and you know they they suggest uh, some tests you know that they want to do to see what's wrong with you you just you just do it right it's, it's, there's there's nothing but when you're in a vet it's kind of an awkward thing because they will say you know uh these are the tests we want to run and here's how much they cost uh you know is this something you want to do and they always throw the dollars out there and it's a very awkward feeling and so i imagine if you're from the united states and there's a cost associated with healthcare. Uh, you know that that's that feels normal, but uh, here in Canada, it just it felt it feels very awkward. Now you can buy health insurance for your pets, so that, that that's an an option. It's it's kind of a you know you you have insurance for a lot of things, so that that's it's, it's not crazy. But I I didn't have that. My emergency fund was was adequate. So I do want to move on and kind of get into kind of the more nuanced based questions around an emergency fund. So uh, moving through this uh, article from Every Dollar, it kind of talks about at first how if you so if you don't have an emergency fund, the only kind of option you probably have at that point is to throw a credit card at your problems. And, and that's exactly what this article says. Throw a credit card at your problems. So, I mean, Trevor, before we even get to the actual emergency fund portion, how I we know this isn't a long term sustainable solution, but how strongly do you feel against throwing a credit card to your problems? Have you ever done that yourself? And again, where is it merited? So, so I've never done it, but here, here's an evolution that, that would, would unfold. Let's just say you, your washing machine breaks down and you don't have an emergency fund, so you put that on your credit card. And six months later, let's just say your, your fridge you know, breaks down and you, again, you still don't have an emergency fund, you put that on your credit card. And six months after that, your, your car needs a transmission. So, and you put that on your credit card and all of a sudden your credit card's maxed out and, and you're, you're living in fear of the next emergency. So your mortgage comes due and you decide to roll all your credit card debts into your mortgage and amortize it over 25 years. And now your credit card's freed up for, for new emergencies. Well, now you're paying for a washing machine over 25 years, your fridge for 25 years and your transmission for 25 years. And if this cycle continues to perpetuate itself, you, you will never not have a mortgage so that's the danger of, of going down that road is it it never ends that 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 solution is it's like a snowball that we always talk about here on the podcast and by putting it on your mortgage you kind of sweep it under the carpet and it kind of it, it's not in front of you anymore and a lot of times you because it was an emergency you know a washer a fridge in a car you tend to justify those things and say you know i had to do it but some other aspect of your life is out of control if your your spending is out of control if 
if credit is the only way you can solve those problems. There's some other aspect. The math isn't working in your financial equation if those are your solutions to your problems. So Trevor, just to kind of be the voice and the listener, because I mean, I'm thinking this, our listeners are probably thinking this. Trevor, you are three years away from retirement. I mean, you have you are in a good financial situation, assumingly because you are retiring soon. Um, you work a very stable job. You have your finances under control. Now let's shine light on maybe that average listener who maybe didn't get the right financial footing, has accumulated some consumer debt. I mean, how realistic is it to get together an emergency fund? I mean, you're speaking of uh, from one space, but, but I want to look at kind of someone else in their perspective. Well, I think we need to define, you know, what is an emergency fund and how much should it be? And it's not a dollar amount. So in my mind, an emergency fund represents three to six months of mandatory expenses. So not three to six months of your income and not three to six months of your total spending, but three to six months of your total mandatory, keep the lights on, food on the table, expenses. I mean, you know, this article, everydollar.com has the dollar figure of a thousand dollars. So like when you're talking about this, how do you feel about that number as well? So that in the article, they call that a starter emergency fund. So if, if you're working on paying down debt, they're saying if, if you start with a thousand dollars, that you know that would cover many types of emergencies that could come up. So if you have this thousand dollars set aside, and then you continue to work on paying down your debt, you you then then you can go back and, and build what's called the fully funded emergency fund. So the thousand dollars is just a uh, something so you don't get sidetracked from from paying down your debt. So that, that that's a starting point, but that that isn't really that's not the goal. The goal is three to six months and. The three months to six months, it really depends on, I'm going to say, on the security of your job or the type of employment you, you have. So I'm going to say, this sounds counterintuitive, but if you have a minimum wage job, I would say three months of, of emergency fund is probably adequate. And the reason I say that is the chances of you finding another minimum wage job is pretty good because that's the minimum you can get paid. Now, if you have a, a, a very high-paying job, and and a lifestyle that requires it, then I'm going to suggest you need closer to six months of expenses. And, and if you live, like, say, I live in this really small town, if if you're in a isolated area and you have a high income, you might need a year's worth of emergency fund to 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 cover off. If if you were to lose your job, you know what what would you do? So it really depends on your employment circumstances as to how much of an emergency fund you need. How much runway do you need that money to last you? The other thing is, just say there's you're, you're a husband and wife and you have two incomes. You know, Could you survive on one income? The chances of both of you losing your jobs is, is probably highly unlikely unless you work for the same company and that company goes out of business. So if there's two incomes and you, you could survive, meaning you're off the street expenses, lights on, food on the table, could be covered by one of those incomes, then maybe you shrink it back down to three months. So it really, and you know, one of the things that drives this is what I call financial flexibility. And I love to practice financial flexibility. So having a life structured in such a way that you can pull these levers to ramp down your expenses at a, I'll say a moment's notice, but that's an exaggeration. So, you know, you can discontinue your cable so you're not tied into a contract you could discontinue your cell phone service you're not tied into a contract you could uh, 
um, you don't you're not you don't have car payments, so you could sell a car and actually, you know, get some cash for that. So it actually and it, you know puts money into your budget instead of just take taking money out. So there there's things you can do, or if you have a mortgage, you know, if if ideally if it's coming from new, you you could stretch your amortization to shrink your payments. There there's things you can do to uh, structure your life in such a way that you can you have more financial flexibility. I really like that. So anytime that again you need to you need to a little bit of wiggle room because at the end of the day, all those kind of smaller amounts kind of do add up to make a dramatic difference and does scale you back down to your mandatory expenses. You know, I actually I want to say if you can't afford or, or if you don't feel compelled to have an emergency fund, then you should have a lot of financial flexibility in your financial life meaning you have multiple levers to pull to ramp down your expenses so if if you can do that and do that you know quickly then maybe you don't need the the fully funded emergency fund no that's that's a really that's a really good point so trevor to get back to kind of the the actual act of being able to build an emergency fund i mean what advice do you give to that person who is kind of really skeptical right now saying, I don't know if building an emergency fund is even possible for me right now. What are the baby steps? How do they get started? And is it even possible for everyone? So we talk about all the time about living below your means. It's a requirement. Spending less than you earn. If you can't get past that threshold, then personal finance is going to be your Achilles heel for your whole for the rest of your life. So once you get to the point where you're you're spending less than you earn, that that's the only time you can begin to build an emergency fund. And the only time you can you can be certain you're spending less than you earn is if you have a documented budget, which we've talked about before. So having a documented budget, and if you're currently not spending less than you earn, then the documented budget is going to show you where you need to make the adjustments so you can. So as soon as you get to a position where you're spending less than you earn through the tool of documenting your budget, then you you begin to save an emergency fund. I mean, that that's the, the foundation of it. That's where it starts. And once you've you've done that and you've built up this savings, this emergency fund, you've you've also you've you've probably made the necessary adjustments in your life to continue on that path of spending less than you earn. So it's kind of a launching pad to move you in the right direction from a personal finance standpoint. So so you're saying it kind of before we can even build an emergency fund, you have to really look deep within to see what kind of underlying maybe issues or problems or challenges you are you're facing your life pertaining to money yeah if, if you haven't got the if, if you don't have any money at the end of the month to put toward an emergency fund you have an underlying problem that needs to be solved i i really like that because i think i think it's really easy to make excuses for for kind of circumstances in your life and and maybe in decisions financial decisions you made in the past that are not kind of accurate to, to the life you're living right now. And, and we can kind of make excuses for why we're still living that way. So I, I really like that you're kind of empowering yourself to make that change, to be able to have that emergency fund. Now to that point, if if you're paying down debt from previous bad decisions and, and that's what's what's dragging you down and, and inhibiting your ability to save an emergency fund, if that's if that's the cause, then you need to, maybe push pause on, on an aggressive debt repayment until you build that emergency fund and then go back to the debt repayment. So that actually leads me to my very next question is 
priorities because I think it, it can, I mean, if you're surrounded by maybe a lot of consumer debt, if you're, if you don't have a savings account, if you haven't built an emergency fund, if you kind of are just maybe starting off, so you're saying your priorities should lie in having an emergency fund versus paying off, off, off consumer debt or credit or yeah. debt. Yes, because if you don't have an emergency fund and life happens, you know, Murphy's Law happens, then your 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 best laid plans to eliminate debt from your life gets completely derailed. And the opposite happens. You actually end up adding to your debt. So the emergency fund is is the key. It's It's actually, in some respects, is more important than aggressive debt repayment because without it, you'll actually end up just adding to your debt and feel like you're you're just you're spinning your wheels you're on a treadmill not moving anywhere so not having an emergency fund it causes you to to you know take two step one step forward two steps back and it's very demotivating and a lot of people will just give up i really think that is the takeaway of this episode i mean i i've never thought of it that way and i'm sure maybe it's enlightening a lot of our listeners because Again, it, it, like you said earlier, it's very counterintuitive to to set this money aside for, for for maybe never. Like, oh, and in the end of the day, we always we're optimistic that we'll never need that money. So it's kind of crazy to to constantly setting this money aside for hoping, crossing our fingers that we'll never even need to use it. Like people think they 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 can be lucky, you know, forever. I'll give you an example. So I had one of my cars last year. So I own the last twelve, the last calendar year. I, the only repairs I had to do to that car or the only maintenance I had to do was oil changes. That car needed nothing else. It, it literally, I think I did three oil changes on that car. In is one this your, your 14-year-old car or your 12-year-old car? The 12-year-old car. And that is all the maintenance it needed in that whole year. Did I think I got lucky? No. I think that the timing just, you know, the, the maintenance was yet to come. So I didn't go off and spend that, that car maintenance money on on some other luxuries like like traveling or something, I knew it was coming. And sure enough, this year, I, I've spent almost $2,000 in repairs. You know, so if I average that out over two over the two years, it, it it makes sense historically of what I've spent on car maintenance before. So I, I didn't fall in the trap that I, I got lucky. It's just timing. And I, th- I think that's so important. Trevor, I do want to ask you though, Back when maybe you were 20 or, or younger, like in your 20s, did you think this way? Did you have an emergency fund? I mean, we probably have so many listeners who are in their early 20s who are maybe not in the best financial situation or are still getting started. And, and what, 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 did you look, what was your life looking like in comparison? No, and that's a great question. And no, I did not have an emergency fund. And I wish I did. When I look back of some of the decisions I made, you know, to get out of my emergency. I remember um, paying for car repairs on a credit card because I didn't have the money and and, and just digging a hole. And so I, I wish I would have had an emergency fund. And I, I, I so I'll go back to my 20s. I didn't have a documented budget either in my 20s. So I was a, a personal finance train wreck in, in my mind. So, but but if I, if I had to give advice to my 20-year-old self, it would have been have an emergency fund. You you can be far more strategic with your money if you do. 
at what point did you kind of, did you start building an emergency fund? I mean, I know personal finance has become increasingly more important to you over the years to what it is today, but at what point did you kind of realize that that was something you needed to have in your life? So when I bought my first house, I, and, and things started to break, I kind of realized that this, this pattern was going to continue and I, I needed a, some sort of money to deal with this because it, it was an emergency every time something did. And my first house was a bit of a fixer-upper, so I, 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 I tended to have a lot of repairs. But it really hit home when I had a family, when I had kids, and I realized my income was, and I, I was the sole breadwinner at that point, and so my ink, it was when I stopped focusing on, on unknown expenses, but when I, when I felt vulnerable from an income standpoint, that's when it really set in and I needed an emergency fund. When, when you work somewhere and you see people walked out the door for, you know, I'll say no particular reason, just, you know, a, a downturn in the economy, that could be you. You need some protection against that. And so I really, it really set in when, when I felt my income was mission critical, you know, and it was more than just me relying on it. I had a family depending on me bringing home a paycheck. That's when an emergency fund was, was paramount. So, I mean, it took your family to kind of spark you because you're supporting people. So it, it took that to kind of want you to create emergency fund. What advice do you have for our 20 year olds, 30 year olds who maybe aren't, don't have any dependents? but kind of need that extra motivation to get this emergency fund going. Is it just, would you just say it's a peace of mind or, or how can they, how can they really want it wholeheartedly if it's not something that's important to a listener right now? I would say it's generally going to take a scare for somebody to get motivated if they're not naturally motivated to have an emergency fund. And it, you know, it could be a personality thing. Some people tend to live life more cautiously than others. So if you're sort of a risk taker, it's probably going to take a traumatic life event to make you build an emergency fund. And it could be the loss of a job and maybe, you know, you don't have a job and your car gets repossessed. You know, it's those traumatic events that are going to really set the wheels in motion and maybe make you rethink how you approach life. So, but, but it's, it, I think for most people, it's generally going to be that, you know, that, um, losing your job or, or almost losing your job or, you know, finding out you were the next in line to be laid off, you know, those kind of things that, those, that really kind of scare you into thinking I'm not invincible. So I think it's, if you're not inclined to do it by nature, it's going to take a life event that's going to make you, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to be scared into doing something good for ourselves. But for, for a lot of us, that's the case. So for me, that was the case. I've seen people being laid off from their jobs, knowing they were the sole breadwinners for their family. And again, I live in this small town, so opportunities are not exactly plentiful. And these people would have to relocate, uproot their families because they couldn't, you know, they, they didn't have a runway of emergency fund to wait for maybe another job opportunity to come along. So they had to make rash decisions in the heat of the moment, like sell their house and move their family. That's tough, you know, and I don't envy that. And so when I seen things like that unfolding, it kind of scared me into taking action. And I think personal finance is definitely one of those things that you kind of have to live yourself. And I mean, you can you can listen to your parents go on and on about create a budget, start saving. But un- until you're actually in that moment and actually experience those things firsthand, that sometimes is the only time it will truly resonate with you and, and drive you to take action and make decisions. 
Yeah, so your question to me was, you know, did I do it in my 20s? No, I had to be scared into it. You know, so why would I think another 20-year-old would just listen to me say, hey, save an emergency fund, it's a good idea. It, it probably will take a life event for most people to to cross that threshold and, and have a an emergency fund. And don't feel bad about yourself if that's if that's the case. Because when when you're young and in your 20s, you kind of feel invincible. And I think everybody goes through that. So I wouldn't be hard on yourself. I I mean, I survived without one, and I'm here today. So it's not the end, but it is a really, really good idea. I do have a question. I mean, I'm someone who definitely is on the side of being an extreme saver. And is it possible to have too big of an emergency fund I mean, and, and I do have another question along with that. I mean, is there a difference between an emergency fund and a savings account? So the, those are kind of my two questions at the moment. Yeah, there's definitely a distinction between the two of those. Um, a, a savings account is, it's sort of, in my mind, a savings account is earmarked for a purchase. You know, maybe you're saving to buy a car or you're saving to buy a house or you're saving to buy some sort of, you know, toy that you really enjoy, a motorcycle, I, I don't know, something like that. So that's a savings account. An emergency fund is something that is, it, it looks like idle money. It, it has no definitive purpose. It's not earmarked for anything specific. So that, to me, there's a distinction between savings account and emergency fund. Also, an emergency fund, and we haven't talked about this yet, it has to be extremely inaccessible. And the reason I say that is you... I, you don't want it to be attached to your debit card, for instance. I don't want to be able to just go in the store and, and, and realize my checking account is almost empty. I'll just use my emergency account, you know, to buy this. That's a disaster. So an emergency fund should not be attached to a debit card in any way. You would have to go into the bank and get it. And people will say, well, what if I have an emergency? I need that money. If you need to access your emergency fund in hours matter, you know, measure of time. If you if you need to access that money within so many hours because of an emergency, there's something else wrong in your life. You should be able to foresee an emergency, you know, at least a month into the future if you have any handle on your expenses at all. An emergency is something that the math isn't going to work this month. That's the emergency. And and it's an unforeseen event. So the math isn't working. I can't cash flow this unanticipated expense i need money and you shouldn't need it you know if you're working with a 24-hour window something else is wrong in your financial life that that so it needs to be really inaccessible you have to go into the bank to get it that that's the key so i'm gonna kind of argue a few of your points there because i mean we were talking earlier emergency i mean if you're into get into a car crash if you if something that emergency happens i mean this article, everydollar.com, says that your emergency fund should be easy to access, but not too easy. They do say that you should have um, a separate checking account or that comes with a debit card or even maybe a separate account altogether with its own debit card that you can use. So are, are you saying that, it, I mean, this just looks like a matter of kind of self-control, self-control and self-restraint at this point and kind of realizing that you need to maybe have that self-control not to use that. I mean, cause it, it not, I mean, I think to your point though, Trevor, like being able to kind of transfer it maybe from an inaccessible account with your debit card to one that is accessible with your debit card. I have accounts like that is maybe the next best option. See, I would disagree. 
I don't, I don't want, the only way I can get that money is to physically go in the bank and get it. That, that to me is the ultimate emergency fund. Now that may not work for everybody, but to me, if you struggle with, you know, defining an emergency, then that's where your money should be in a, you have to physically go in the bank to get it. Because if you can transfer it to an account that you can access from a debit card, uh, you can solve that while you're standing in line at a store. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to, you, you could still succumb to the, the, you know, convincing yourself that Christmas is an emergency and you, you know, that your checking account's empty. I'll just use my emergency funds to buy this PlayStation 4. You know, that's not an emergency, but you could convince yourself in the heat of the moment that it is. You know, it's Black Friday. These things are 50% off. My, my, my kid really wants one. It's Christmas. It's an emergency. I have to get it. You know, you, in the frenzy of a Black Friday sale, you could convince yourself of anything. So if you can transfer the money to an account that you can access with a debit card, that is a recipe for disaster for some people. For other people who have a lot of control and a lot of self-restraint, they probably don't struggle with the definition of an emergency. No, I, I do agree with that. I mean, a lot of things in them. And that's, again, again why we're doing this episode because it's important. And a lot of times we do kind of misconstrue things as emergencies when they're really not. So from that perspective, I do agree with you. I mean, I think this everydollar.com article has a good perspective in that they're looking at it in a sense of an and kind of an immediate emergency out of nowhere. But generally, I guess, uh, to your point, we never really p- need to pay for anything immediately. We might, it's usually kind of you get a bill in the mail or you, or, or you kind of get an invoice and, and then you have to pay it and you, have a, you do have time to pay it off. And again, when you need that money right away, it's usually when you're in store or at a retail location. Yeah, it, you know, if you need the money right away and it's an emergency, you probably should have insurance for that. You know, if you're in a car accident and, and you need to get your car fixed or towed somewhere, you should probably have CAA or something. Like, if that's your concern and you're working with minutes and hours of needing money, then that's probably a good thing you should be insured for. So CAA is kind of like, in my mind, you know, roadside insurance. You know, you need to get towed. you got a flat tire. Those things cost money. And if you need to pay the person for that and you consider that emergency, then, then get, get that insurance. You know, that, that, that's a kind of an emergency fund prepaid. So all the saying that you do agree with, with, um, kind of insurance for things that you might never use, such as CA, like that is something that you feel is important. Yeah. You know what, for instance, so I make a lot of trips out of town to visit my kids and I have a, like 12 year old cars, my, my, my newest car. And I've been toying with the idea of getting CAA and just for the peace of mind, you know, chances are I have it, I'll never need it. So I've kind of, to- as my car gets older, I've toyed with the idea of getting that. So I, that, that's, you know, something I've entertained. And it, for me, it's insurance and insurance generally brings peace of mind. So uh, moving just through this article there, the next point is kind of talking about ways we can kind of get the emer- our emergency fund going, how we can start building it. So we've kind of touched on a little bit of this. I mean, I, there's five points here. Um, one is create a monthly budget. Two is say no to new debt. Three is sell something or a whole lot of somethings. Four is temporary cut, temporarily cut your expenses. And number five is increase your income. So I, I just want to run through these really quickly, kind of 
to get your thoughts on these points, Trevor. So, I mean, create a monthly budget. We kind of talked about this one already, that, that how important it is just to get a kind of an understanding of your discretionary versus mandatory expenses. Yeah, that's the only way you're going to know how much of a of an emergency fund you need is is to isolate your mandatory expenses. And if you're struggling to come up with an emergency fund, you know, the the extra money at the end of the month, this is going to identify where the problems are. Because I I think most importantly in that moment when you do need to util- when you do need if you wish you had emergency funds and they're not there, it's not because it's too big of an emergency or the amount is too much. It's really an underlying problem to do with your kind of day-to-day um, budgeting. Yeah, there, there's another problem that needs to be solved. Um, number two is say no to new debt. I think this one is really obvious and so important because, again, like we said, the only way you can kind of get build that emergency fund is is to say no to other things that are con- going to consume that income that would have been allotted to, towards your emergency fund. Yeah, and not having an emergency fund is almost a guarantee you're going to add new debt. So it's kind of, you're kind of trading, you're kind of putting money aside into an account and to kind of trading that for debt. So it's kind of, it kind of does, it's a sum, a zero sum game. Yeah, and, and the chances of an emergency not coming up are zero. So if you don't have one, you're you're almost signing up for new debt. I And I agree with that. I mean, I... I It'd be it'd be awesome if we lived in a world where things always worked out and 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 there was no bad and, and people kind of all but we don't live in that society so I think to say I mean if there are any listeners who just are are thinking that we're being pessimistic by really thinking an emergency fund is so necessary I think it's kind of a realistic way to look at at, at life because that is the way life operates. Number three is sell something or whole lot of something. So this is just an awesome point I think just to kind of maybe make kind of jumpstart your emergency fund building by by getting rid of things you don't need yeah if you've got things you don't it's kind of a uh dual benefits here you're getting rid of you know some clutter out of your life and if you're selling it and getting money for it that that's you know an added benefit that you could channel that right into your emergency fund i I think that's a win-win Number four is temporary, temporarily cut your expenses. So um, within this point, it says, ask yourself, what can I do without? Consider any memberships or subscription services like the gym, Amazon Prime, cable TV or magazines. You might also reevaluate your cell phone plan, cut back on eating out or go to the movies less. Add all this newfound money to the emergency fund line in your budget. I love this because... In doing those things, just say it takes six months or nine months to say you cut all, a bunch of, un, I'll call it discretionary expenses to save up for an emergency fund and say it takes six or nine months, maybe say it takes 12 months and you go through a whole year without these uh, uh, things going on in your life like Amazon Prime, you know, is, is that really going to alter your life a whole lot or magazines that maybe you didn't read? And you get to the, the end of that year and you, you get your emergency emergency fund funded, then you might look back and say, I didn't really need all those things anyway. So you could there could be a lot of gains here outside of just building an emergency fund. So this point actually really made me look inward at things in my life. So um, I have a, I have Microsoft Office. It's like a monthly subscription. So instead of just buying, you kind of just subscribe to it, which is really awesome because you can kind of reevaluate how if, if you need it. But it's something that's set on automatic renewal. Um, I just kind of set it up really quickly because I need a Microsoft Word one day. And it's actually something I'm just getting rid of today because it's I it's a subscription service. You can get it back when and if you need it in the future, which is great. 
But my other thing, which is something that, I mean, in hindsight, it wasn't a smart financial decision, but I purchased an eighth month gym membership. So it was kind of, and when I had the option to purchase a two month or a three month or even a one month. So and again, I haven't been going to the gym um, and, and utilizing it like I like I should be. So I think I think there is a benefit to kind of subscription month by month because you can, like you say, Trevor, you can evaluate how much you need it. And I, I think for and me, you end up with financial flexibility. Yes, and for me, I mean, I, luckily I, I I did have the money to spend on that eight month gym membership. I mean, if I were to utilize it for all the eight months, it would be. It, it is more economical, but I mean, that was a big learning for, moment for me to realize c- how beneficial it is to to kind of go by month by month and, and have that flexibility. Yeah. And it, if when you're when you're incurring expenses on a month to month basis, meaning you're not tied into a contract, which is I, I can't stand contracts and all these companies try to tie you in with really low prices, but they tie you to a term. And, and I've been caught up in this before cable uh, or sorry, internet, phone, and, and, and those things are, if if your income changes and, and those expenses don't fit, you're stuck with them. I mean, they're yours. In fact, you know, if you buy a car and you get a, a five-year car loan, that's a, like a contract. You're tied to that. You, you At best, you could try to sell that car and, and, and pay the loan off. But other than that, you're kind of, you don't have a lever to pull. The last point is increase your income. Now, Trevor, when I was reading this point, preparing for the show, I thought of I thought of our podcast and how this is something I don't think we we really uh, are proponents of. But I was wondering, is there any validity to this point uh, pertain in, in pertinence to emergency funds? So the only way I, I could be a proponent of earning increasing your income is if you just say you have a soul crushing job and you do that for eight hours a day, five days a week, and then. You go out and you deliver pizzas, and I'm not I'm not knocking pizza delivery people, but it's probably not the most gratifying work. Just just a guess. So you're going to spend you know three or four hours a night doing that. I mean, w- what life have you got left to live? Now, the only time I would agree with this is if you had a side hustle and it was your passion, something you, it, it didn't feel like work at all, but you happened to get paid for it, and you could do that on the side and earn some extra money. Only then would I condone that. Because life is way too short to just spend it making money. You know, one thing that drives me crazy is when I see young people, high school students, working. Okay, I'm not against a high school student working a part-time job. Maybe, you know, a couple of nights a week at best. You know, maybe 16 hours a week. Just just pocket money. But to, to spend your youth, you know, grinding out long hours in, in soul crossing mindless jobs just seems like a, such a waste, you know, and I get that some, some kids have got to save money to go to school and, and I do support that, but th- there's a, there's a, a happy medium. There's a, there's a trade-off that you're, you're, you're giving up your youth to make money. So it, particularly with young people, I kind of, I don't support this. I, I think you need to live and enjoy life. And only if you're, you're making money as something that you truly enjoy life as a side hustle, because you can always adjust your lifestyle to meet your income. That, And a lot of people never entertain that. Like I know some people, some kids in high school that own cars and they work jobs to pay for these cars. And I'm, I'm thinking, and the car is just, it's, it's a wreck, right? They're barely able to keep it on the road. It's so old and, and worn out. And they're, they're spending their youth working just to pay for this car. And they're missing out on 
on on sports and in, in, in time with friends just to have a set of wheels. It just it doesn't reason check with me. I'm a proponent of adjusting your lifestyle to fit your income rather than adjusting your income to fit your lifestyle. Oh, for sure. And I th- I think that point about kind of younger younger people working um, to kind of support their their needs and wants at maybe a high school age. I think that I think that is definitely room for another episode. And I think there also we also have to look at words towards kind of the parental support as well, the parental guidance. I, I think that is a whole episode in itself, which would be really interesting to touch on. Like I, I guess I, I want to backtrack a bit on that. I mean, if if you're somebody so, who, who has to put yourself through, you want to go to university or college, and you you have the burden of putting yourself through that and funding it yourself completely, and you need to work you know, a whole bunch of hours, it's probably a good idea rather than racking up student debt. So, you know, giving that alternative, I, I, will, I, will, I will pick working more hours and earning more income over taking on debt every but, single time. But you're, I, so to kind of, kind of very isolate your example to I think exactly what you meant, you, you probably mean that if a, if a, if a, maybe a, a grade 12 age student has has access to uh, the bus to get to school um, is has has very supporting parents who are willing to drive them to school if needed or drive them to activities or drive them around if needed or, or maybe even able to borrow their parents cars um, intermittently but this 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 individual still wants to have their very own car to, to just to have a car yeah so I wouldn't support working long hours f- to satisfy that scenario it just it you're going to regret it when you get older uh, of the life, the, the youth you missed out on. Definitely. And, and I get, and again, you, you can definitely say that from, from where you are now in that perspective. And, and just to add on to, I mean, I was, I was only, I was fortunate enough to only need to be able to work during my, during the summer months when I wasn't at school. And this was just near the end of, um, end of high school. So, from from that perspective, I definitely do agree with you that um, it's 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 important to be able to enjoy the moments and kind of keep your needs and wants in kind of in check to be, again be able because it starts when you're young to be able to live the life that your income income meets. I think my the last point I want to touch on within this everydollar.com article is it, this is a US US based article, but. Um, there are there a statistic in here is that forty four percent of adults cannot cover an emergency expense costing four hundred dollars. Yeah, that's an alarming number. I mean, four hundred dollars. Uh, if I think of the emergencies that have come up in my life financially, four hundred dollars uh, generally wouldn't cover most of them. Uh, I I would think. I, I don't know. I would hope uh, an adult, you know, a, a family would have would be able to cash flow a $400 expense. You know, they'd have spent less than they earned and be able to sort of have that flexibility in their day-to-day spending or month-to-month spending to absorb $400. If you don't, you're probably living too close to the edge and there's something else wrong in your financial life. And I, I, I do think that stat really kind of puts um, everything into perspective and how important the emergency fund is and, and maybe how, how little focus we maybe sometimes give to the concept of having an emergency fund. You know, $400, uh, not, not being able to cover $400 expense, it, that's not an emergency fund problem. You know, that's not somebody not having an emergency fund or not understanding the concept. That is something, 
you know, so 44% of, in this case, Americans, they have bigger problems than not having an emergency fund. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I, I, I mean, if that if that's the problem, and, and I think that kind of shines light on how, again, how important um, this, this concept is. So, Trevor, that really does bring us to the end of this episode. Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, we end the show today? Yeah, there's an interesting piece at the end of the end of this article, and it says, "Take a quiz. Should I use my emergency fund? And when in doubt, run through this checklist. Number one, is it unexpected? Number two, is it absolutely necessary? And number three, is it urgent? Ask these three questions before you use your emergency fund." And I think it'll always work out for you. And on that note, that brings us to the very end of today's episode on do you need an emergency fund and how important is an emergency fund? Thank you so much for being here with us today. And we can't wait to have you back with us next week. Until then, keep it simple.